Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. And told him all that he had, all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, "Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat." And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you are with us. And as we uh, open your word and spend some time here, God, we thank you uh, to speak to us right where we're at. I thank you that you are at home within us. Help us to be at home within ourselves. God, teach us what it looks like to walk in strength and grace and peace in the time we live in. Thank you for rest here today. Thank you that you are the Lord of the Sabbath. You are the Lord of rest. And you invite us into a deeper experience of peace and power in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, if you're a guest with us today, my name is Luke. Um, one of the pastors here. So I'm really excited to share with you just for a few minutes today um, before we end our time together. And this passage, what's, what's really fascinating about this passage, it's thematically a lot the same if you've been here the last couple of weeks. There's been this unintentional theme that I feel like has come together as uh, we sense the Lord addressing us in places of hurry, in places of anxiety, in places where we have maybe inadvertently been caught up in the rhythms of the world. There's a way of the world. You guys know that? There is a way to the world. It's the air that we breathe. And as the people of God, we have to continue to recalibrate and reorient ourselves to the way of Jesus and the kingdom of God. And as we do that, Jesus' life, uh, it flourishes within us, not just for us, 
but for the flourishing of the whole world. You know that the work he does in you, he does not just for you, but he does it for the sake of the world. And so Jesus is all about growing us up in him. That's what the Holy Spirit's working on day and night, is maturing us into the likeness of Christ. Until we, uh, until we attain to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, as it says in Ephesians 4. That's what God is up to. And I think what's, what's something that's really interesting about this particular passage that really felt was important to, to, to bring as a continuation over the last couple of weeks has to do with, in this one passage, we see this really cool combination that we don't often talk about together. We talk about them separately, but I feel like there's this really cool thing we, we see happening here about the, the blending together, the coming together of solitude and supernatural life. Or you could say the coming together of um, contemplative living and miraculous living. Do you guys know that those, aren't, those don't belong in two separate rooms? Um, that they are, they are one and the same as we're maturing into Christ, and we have to find a way to talk about these things together. That God is about meeting us in stillness. He's about meeting us in simplicity. And in these moments, and I think at what we see here, there's a retraining that happens in these moments as we become home in our own hearts, as we pay attention to the work of God within us, that actually gives us eyes to see the supernatural breakthrough He's wanting to bring through us. Are we good with that? You guys all right? So one of the first things I want to point out here in this passage, this feeding of the 5,000, this is in all four of the Gospels. In this particular Gospel, we read that Mark, he sprinkles in this word a few different times, this word desolate. And the, the, the passage starts out, it says, The apostles came to Jesus to talk to him about all they said and done. And Jesus said, all right, we need to go away to a desolate place. And then that, that word comes up again and again here as it's setting up the scene, that this scene is taking place in, in a desolate place, that Jesus leads them. He takes them away. There's, the crowds are pouring in. He needs to take them away. They haven't eaten anything. But he takes them away to a desolate place. Now, this word desolate, uh, it can mean a few different things. Desolate, solitary, lonely, uninhabited. This, it's this Greek word, eremos. One of the, my favorite definitions of this, this word desolate and, and its meaning here, though, is it's, it's a word that can mean in between two places. So Jesus took them from where they were at and he brought them to a place that was in between two places. Now, if you, if you spend much time with Ed Bennell, you, you're going to hear this phrase called liminal space, right? It's a space in between. It's not quite where we were and not quite where we want to go. It's a somewhere in between. You guys ever felt like you were there before? And so we get this picture that Jesus is leading them to a desolate place. And, and it really stirs up this question for us, for me, when I'm confronted with this passage, so as we let this passage read back into us, how do I do, what is my feeling generally towards the desolate places in my life? Okay, and I'm not just talking literally, maybe literally, right? Can you, like, can you be out in nature? Can you be in a place where there's not a lot of activity? And how are you in those places? But even figuratively or in the inner life, how do you do 
in desolate places, how do you do with yourself in the spaces of life? Do you guys know that life is mostly spaces, in between things? Mostly, right? From the time we're born to the time we die, it's marked by memories and marked by things and events, but mostly there's a lot of places, there's a lot of in-between spots. It seems as if, though, we, when, again, when we start looking at the, the way we live, and I'll speak for myself, sometimes I find myself wanting to rush through spaces to get to the next thing, right? When I think about how do I do in these spaces, I think about, gosh, I'm, I'm willing to go there if only it can mean I can get to the next thing faster, right? And so what happens is, we don't understand that Jesus is like really just good with desolate places. And so is the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit. With emptiness, with void places in our life. In fact, one of the first things we read about God in the Scripture is that He hangs out in voids. Literally. I mean, it said he hovers over the body. He's literally over the, over the emptiness, over the formless void. He hovers over the void like this mother hen brooding over her chicks. See, see, God, in the creative space that he occupies in our life, as he's working out, uh, as he's working out his life within us, as he's growing himself up within us, it seems as if God is not af- as afraid of the desolate spaces as we are sometimes right? He doesn't rush through them, and he doesn't avoid them. In fact, it seems to be a preference. It seems to be, because this isn't the only passage we see Jesus pulling away. Now, I don't think he was just pulling away to get away from the crowds. Now, we do see that indicated in this passage that they needed to eat, they needed a little reprieve from the ministry work they've been doing. I don't think that that Jesus, though, is just tolerating a desolate place so they can get back to ministry. I think what Jesus is showing us is there's something, I want to take you into a place, and we need to go to a place, and this is where the healing power of God is going to restore us and recharge us and renew us and teach us to see again. Do you guys understand that in places of solitude and stillness and silence, those are the places that God actually teaches us to see again. We cannot learn that from the way of this world. And you cannot learn that through constant activity. And you cannot learn that through doing good things for God. There's these places that God leads us to in order, in order to reframe something so we can see something we didn't See again, this is, what we, this is the start of this passage. This is what's really fascinating here. It starts in Jesus intentionally taking his dudes, his guys, these apostles. We're going to go to a desolate place for a while. And we see this is a learning curve for them. This is, a, this is a, a huge learning curve for them. Because here's what happens. As they go, as they go to this desolate place, it doesn't last very long. Jesus' plans get foiled too. You notice that? Like, he goes away, somebody sends out a tweet, you know, he's like, he's over in this field over here, and then the whole crowd comes, and they find it, they track him down, because he's Jesus, why wouldn't you track him down? And the crowds start coming, and, and, it, and what I love about Jesus is he didn't shoo them away. You notice that? In this passage, he, he doesn't push them away, what he does is, it says he's moved, uh, 
He's moved with compassion as a shepherd. So the pastoral heart of Jesus comes out, and he sees these people that said that they seemed like a sheep without a shepherd. So he started to teach them many things. So he, his heart's moved. Wow, these people, they just need some love, you know? And so he just starts teaching. That's what he does. So it's showing them many things. And then, then they're confronted with the new problem. Now that Jesus has got his preach on, you know, it's getting late. People are starting to get hungry, right? And what we read here is the disciples catch on to this. And here's what it says in verse 35. And when it, when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. In case you didn't know Jesus, this place, there's not much going on, right? And the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So even the disciples in this particular passage they're recognizing that in this place of desolation, they're, 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 they're seeing that, like, there's something that's not happening here or can't happen here. And essentially what they're saying is this. Um, they're saying this. Jesus, as, look at the people around you. We're not in the right place. This is not the right time, and we don't have what we need here. So you can kind of see this mindset that they're coming in. They, see, they come to this desolate place, and ultimately, they start thinking about what is not happening in this particular place or what cannot happen. This isn't the right time. This isn't the right place. These people cannot get what they need. They need to go somewhere else. What these people need is actually somewhere else. It's not here and it's not now, right? But Jesus is retraining them how to see. And that's the whole point of this passage. This is the whole point of what he's doing. And he's, he turns the tables on them. He says, but he answered to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we don't have any money. Right? That's the paraphrase. And so Jesus says, okay, how many loaves do you have? And this little phrase, go and see. So as Jesus is teaching them, he's teaching them what life in the Spirit looks like. He's teaching them what even a supernatural paradigm looks like. They are looking at this desolate place saying that there's nothing that can actually happen here. And Jesus says, really? How about you go take a look at what you do have and go and see. Take inventory of what you do have. Okay, and so they go find a boy. He brings his five loaves and two fishes, right? And you know this story. What I love about Jesus here is that he doesn't judge what they bring to him in this place. He doesn't judge the boy. He doesn't judge how limited it is. He doesn't say, man, that, you know what? You're right. This isn't going to be enough. Gosh, I wish I thought I had it this time, right? You know what? This is a good start. Head over to King Supers, get the rest of it, and we're going to finish this out. See, Jesus is teaching them that they don't have to go somewhere else to get what they want or what they need. And that's essentially what the contemplative life is. It's learning to be alone without being lonely. It's learning to be silent and still, aware of the presence of God, and aware of ourselves within our own bones. Some of us 
resist lonely places or alone places so much because we can't handle the thoughts that keep coming to us. It's so loud and it's so noisy or so chaotic. We'd rather be at work doing things, but when we're constantly on the go, when we're constantly at work, when we're constantly even doing things for God, what happens is it robs God of a chance to retrain us to see that even in a places of stillness, there's value and there's security and there's identity. I don't have to be doing everything all the time, everywhere, in order to be loved by God. And I don't have to go somewhere else in order to find what I need. But do you ever feel like that? That you feel like what you need in this season of life is always just beyond you? You ever feel like that? It's never here. Have you noticed that? Have you ever stopped to think maybe that's not true? I mean, I, I get it. The, the things that we're praying for, you know, some of you are praying for healing. You're praying for provision. You're praying for real things, and I'm not diminishing that. God knows your need. And it's hard, it's hard sometimes to be in the waiting places, but the way of Jesus is he's always retraining us to not feel like we have to go somewhere else at another time and do something new in order to find his life at work within our bones. And he's, he's constantly recalibrating us. The only way to do that, the only way to do that is to get really comfortable in desolate places in our life, the spaces in between. Because he's, he's teaching us to see, w- listen, this limited gift that you have, I'm going to show you how this is enough for right now. And so he takes these two fish, or these two, five, five loaves and two fish, and, and uh, he doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't judge them. He doesn't, he doesn't make fun of the gift. What he does, he starts leading us through a series. There's a sequence here, and this is really important. And you should pay attention to this as you read other passages. Eugene Peterson calls this the shape of worship. Where there's four main verbs that we're going to read after he takes the gift. And so it starts with that, that he's going to take the gift. He's going to bless it or thank God. He's going to break it. And then he's going to give it back to them. Take, bless, break, give. Take, bless, break, give. It's, it's, it's the rhythm of worship. And he's showing us what life, a life of, of worship actually looks like, a life surrendered to God actually looks like. And it's not just this passage. We read this at the Last Supper. We read this post-resurrection as he's breaking bread. When Jesus is sitting with people, there's this rhythm of he's going to take what's given He's going to bless what's given and thank God for it. Then he's going to break it and give it back. And as he gives it back, in this particular passage, it's when he gave it back that there's multiplication. See, we think sometimes that we need to get to certain places or create the multiplication before God blesses it. Before, before Jesus is thankful for what we're giving, don't we? We look at our lives and sometimes we think about what we wish would happen or what we wish we could do better. Or we look at our shortcomings. We think, gosh, I'm going to try to get all this together for Jesus. And so then I can present this to Jesus, this image of perfection. I'm going to get all of my stuff in order, all my ducks in a row in my life, and I'm going to present it to Jesus. And then that's, and he'll, he'll be pretty thankful once I do that for him because that's less work he has to do later. Right? He's got enough on his plate. We all know that. 
But that's not what we see in the life of Jesus. Jesus is training his people like, listen, when you come to me, I want you to go and see what you have. Go and see what you have. When you look at your life and you feel like you're in an in-between place and you feel like there's, you're waiting for something to happen, for things to align, go and see what you have. Oh, it's just that? Okay. All you have is these prayers or these songs. All you have is this amount of energy. All you have is this amount of hope or faith. Okay. And he says, I want to take that. And he takes what we have. And he doesn't mock us. He doesn't say, gosh, it really should have been more than this. You should be able to give me more than this. That's not the way of Jesus. He takes what we have, and what does he do? He blesses it. He thanks God. He says, really? You, you have that much hope? Thank God. Father, thank you. Thank you for, for this. Thank you, Father. I bless this gift. I bless these limit, this limited supply. And he takes it, and then in a lot of passages, that next movement is he breaks it open. Because that's what God has to do as well. He ta- when we bring our gifts to him, some of you came in this room, and all you had was, I only have this much. And you were aware of it when you came up. I'm, I'm holding on to my life by, by a thread, right? Or these parts, it's just there's, there's frustration, there's things that are happening, and I'm just not sure what I have. But what I do have, I'm going to bring here. And so God takes our, what we bring, he, he blesses it, he thanks the Father for it. And then in, in, in these passages, what we read is he often, he'll often break it to reveal back to us the substance of what we just gave him, not to expose us for how limited it is, but in case we came in with a pride that what we have is a great gift to him in the first place, he shows it back to us. And he breaks it open. He doesn't expose us to shame us. He exposes us to show us what's possible, that we still need him. He does expose us. He exposes us for who we are, not in shame, but to say, this is who you are before me. Look at it. This is what you brought, and I'm thankful for it. And then he takes what we bring, and then he, he takes what we bring to him. He blesses it. He breaks it, and he gives it back to us. I love in this story that the miracle does not take place before he thanked God. It didn't take place before they gave it out. He had to, he blessed it and he, he multiplied it and it multiplied as they distributed what they have. And I, I, I just really felt like this is such an important thing for us to know that, that as God, it takes the substance of our lives he wants, he wants to receive it. He wants to reshape it and hand it back to us so that it can multiply. But it will never multiply if, if we don't give him a chance to be thankful for it, if we don't become thankful ourselves, and we don't actually submit what we have to God, and we don't see it broken open and see it for what it is. It will never have a chance to multiply. And these, these movements only take place in 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 the spaces of our lives. And, and, and this can be, these can be daily spaces of con- contemplation and meditation before the Lord. 
they're seasonal things as well. And some of you know what it feels like to be in between seasons. And it just seems like right in this season, there's, there's things you're waiting for. But the, the, the big idea here, though, is this. Do not buy into the lie that the work of God is somewhere else or for a different time or you need this, that, and the other in order to initiate it. That your next step in the life of the kingdom, your next step in following Jesus, God has placed within you. But the only way to actually discover it is to slow down for a moment and to rather than resist the spaces and the voids and the silence and the unknowns within yourself, enter into them with the Son of God and allow Him to show you around. And as he shows you around, you're going to find something. You're going to go and see some things, right? God, this is what I have. And then you're invited to hear the voice of Jesus, thanking the Father for what you've, for who you are right now. That you don't have to become somebody different for him to thank the Father for you. And that is the seedbed of a supernatural life. Because what happens is as we come and we begin to thank Jesus for where he is at work now, and we re- help him retrain us to see our relationships and circumstances and our life and our careers through a different lens, I don't have to leave a place in order to find him, but I can enter into that. And somehow in that, that's where the breakthrough starts. You don't have to get somewhere else for breakthrough. Breakthrough is already in your bones. Resurrection is already inside of you. You guys, are you guys hearing me today? I know this is kind of big, big abstract stuff, but I hope you guys sense the spirit of it. This, the heart of Jesus, the heart of Jesus is for you. He's compassionate towards you. And this is really important stuff for us to understand. That until we slow down enough to pay attention to the work of God in, in, in the spaces of our life, we will never be able to follow him into the revival lifestyle that he's calling us into. Amen? So with that said, I just want to end our time this morning receiving communion together. And this is where we get to take what Jesus offered. Jesus offered his own body and his own blood. And it was surrendered to God the Father. It was blessed and it was broken. He was blessed and he was broken. He was given so that many could find life, so that many could be saved. So we get to rejoice, not for what is. We see sometimes we fall for this lie that we just have to keep adding to our lives. That's how we get more. And that's what the disciples are constantly struggling with. And Jesus is like, no, you can't add to your lives until you accept what is. And then my work is going to go from there. So I'll let you sit with that. Um, Let's do this as Grace plays some keys. There's some communion tables in the corners of the room. If you just take the elements, bring it back to your chair. We're going to pray together this morning as we end our time. And uh, then we'll we'll leave in, in the love of God together. So go ahead and rise and come to the tables.
In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this morning, God, we thank you that you brought what you had, even when you walked this earth. You, Jesus, you surrendered your gift, your body, to the Father. And it was blessed. And God, as your body was broken for us and and cracked open as you gave your life for us. We thank you, Lord God, that, that the breaking wasn't the end, but it was just the beginning of your work to multiply into the entire earth. And so this morning, God, as we receive your body and your blood, uh, we thank you, God, to teach us to do the same. We thank you that you invite us, you're inviting us, Lord God, to take what we have and to surrender it to the Father, for it to be blessed and thanked, ultimately to be broken and redistributed back to us and back to the whole world, Lord God. I thank you for us to recognize your work inside of us this morning. We thank you we're only doing what you have shown us in your love. So blessing, Lord God, on us as we receive your body and your blood today. Let's receive the elements together. Thank you, Jesus. Let's rise together. Blessings on you guys as you go. We're going to have our ministry team up, up, up front after the service. If you need prayer for healing in your body, if you need prayer, if you just want to talk to somebody, if you want to talk about a, what a relationship with Jesus looks like and uh, have a lively conversation. Um, if you want to talk about fireworks and barbecues, anything, really, just come up front. The rest of you, don't rush out of fear. Find somebody around you. Hug a neck. Say hi to somebody you haven't said hi to. And guys, thank you. Go, go in the peace and the strength of the kingdom of God today. We love you guys so much. We'll, talk, we'll see you soon.